Hello and welcome back. Today we're speaking with Corinne Levitt, a special educator and author of a new book called Exceptional Minds Across the Autism Spectrum. Her background in learning disability, psycholinguistics, and the arts has enabled her to teach the talent while encouraging her students to discover and explore their potential. She's a fascinating woman, and I'm excited for her to share her story. Stay tuned, and don't forget to follow us on social media platforms to engage or ask any questions that you may have. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to My Autism Tribe, an organization of advocates that are educating, supporting, and empowering those in our communities. We are one voice made stronger. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Corinne Levitt wrote her latest book in recognition of the need to promote the important role an enriched educational experience can have in the lives of students who stand to benefit the most from best educational practices. Please give a warm welcome to Corinne to our show today. Corinne, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I have been looking at your website, and I know that you have this book that was just released called Exceptional Minds Across the Autism Spectrum, Pathways to Success in School and Beyond. And as a parent myself with a son that just started kindergarten this last year and going out of kindergarten in a little bit of a different way, um, this has, this really was interesting to me. Um, I want you to share a little bit about your background uh, from the educational standpoint, how you got into being a teacher and some of the things that you saw and what that led to as far as the publishing of a book. Okay, well, I, uh, I'm retired now, but I'm still involved uh, with families and students, uh, and I taught for over 40 years. And when I started out, I always believed uh, that um, the early years were the most important, where you establish uh, a love of learning, welcoming, welcoming uh, students to school so that they have a positive experience. And uh, I have a background in English literature and teaching reading. And uh, I always believe that, again, the love of books, developing literacy skills would really serve students well. And uh, so I started out teaching grade one and then discovered children who had difficulty learning how to read. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, this is, this is where uh, important work needs to take place because this needs to be addressed. And so I learned about the different theories about teaching reading, and um, I uh, kind of developed that interest. And then I was hired, uh, because of my background in English literature, in a high school to run a reading center for adolescents with learning disabilities and reading challenges. And um, this was at a time in the 70s when learning disabilities were, you know, greatly misunderstood. It was fairly a a new diagnosis. And there was great resistance. And in the high schools, it was believed if a a student by high school couldn't read or was struggling in the basics, um, even with, you know, uh, this invisible handicap of a learning disabilities where teachers were told, well, the student really is bright. And teachers who were sort of more traditional in those years in the three R's thought, well, if they can't read and write and spell properly, I mean, how bright can they be? And so um, there was a real um, resistance to uh, the work I was doing on behalf of well-meaning educators who just didn't understand what do they mean by learning disabilities? What's this new thing? And of course, today, we don't think anything about it. We accept it. We understand it. But that was due to... Uh, 
strong advocacy on the part of parents mm. that I worked with in those years. They did great, great work. And finally, things started to change. And we understood, oh, there are visual learners, auditory learners, different styles of learning, learning's neurological. And once we adopted that viewpoint as teachers and educators and were trained, those students came along and did very well. And I tell the stories of students I worked with in my book, and they're told throughout. And uh, so, you know, uh, I then uh, was working in high schools with students with all sorts of special needs and also teaching English, and I headed a special ed department, and um, little by little, uh, students on the autism spectrum started to attend our schools in small numbers at first, and then it started to grow, and teachers were caught off guard. So now we're sort of at the end of the, the 80s, the early 90s, and teachers are now saying, because I'm the head of a special ed department in a high school, well, who are these students? We don't know what to do. Um, what do you mean they can learn and that they're just different? Look at their behaviors. How can we even begin to teach? Because they act so differently. And I uh, thought, here we go again. Yeah. I just finished going through uh, the experience where educators had to learn all about learning disabilities and finally came through. And that's the positive story in my book. And I thought, well, I learned from the past and I'm going to just roll up my sleeves. I've got my work cut out for me. And so I really then decided to focus my attention on students on the spectrum or with developmental differences because I'm really not concerned about the label. It really doesn't matter. We all know all children learn differently. We learn differently. Sure. You have your preference. I have mine. Uh, it might be more uh, exaggerated in some students, but that's okay. Because yeah. we know all about learning, that it's neurological, different styles. Again, let's roll up our sleeves. And so we follow students who, if you look past the behaviors, as Temple Grandin said, into the minds of these students and discover their style of learning, which isn't always evident at first, but my book sort of shows you where to look and how to discover their strengths. And uh, I was fortunate uh, to um, get the chance to interview Temple and speak to her over the years. Wow, and uh, awesome. so she really, um, yeah, and uh, really in her book, The Autistic Brain, she talks about, she says, you know, I go in, I have this quote in, from her book, and she says, you know, I go into schools, and I ask them if they're using the strength-based approach, and they tell me yes, and as soon as I ask them, well, how, they start talking about what's wrong, and she mm -hmm. says, if even, you know, special educators don't always see the strengths, then, you know, more work needs to be done to make this better, so basically, I said to Temple, well, I'm taking up your challenge. We're going to do it better, and that's what my book's about. That's awesome. That is a lesson for all of us, I think, because going back to like different learning styles and stuff, I am not an auditory learner. I'm not. I, I, I really do struggle with it. Um, it's something, I'm a visual learner, hands-on. I have to, have to be doing that to, to learn. Even in college, right. like going to the lectures, um, I couldn't sit and just listen to the person giving the lecture. I had to write the notes, and that's how I retained the information. Um, and my son is very much the same way, but it's interesting going into like the strength-based approach in that even any of the IEP meetings that we've had at school, and what, fortunately, we've had very 
good IEP meetings um, where we do start off focusing on the strengths, you know, of Alex and this is what he's great at. You, we think about so oftentimes, all of us, so much attention is, especially in school, is given to the, the subjects or the things that we are not so strong in. You know, we, if, we're, if we struggle in math, we have to spend two, three, four times as much time working on the math than we do anything else. And so I think that carries over into some other aspects of our life. If we're weak at something, then we just have to put all of our efforts into that. And instead of focusing on the strengths and let's using those strengths to, you know, to grow. Um, what I love. Absolutely. That. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like with, when you have a subject or an area that you're weak in and you have a strength, you can pair them together yes. so that you're not, if you focus on what you're not so good at, that's discouraging. And then your wonderful strength may not get that, that attention. So if you can match the strength and the interest with the weaker areas, then everything benefits and grows. And then the weakness also becomes a strength. And I demonstrate that through my students and their experiences and how we really and as you say, the tendency, though, is to always sort of fall back on, well, let's just let, get this caught up and then we'll do the strength because you can already do that. But I'm trying to show it's not this or that. It's both. Yes. Yes. And, so, and then the, the wonderful thing, too, that often happens in the stories demonstrate this is that uh, when you take that approach, any um, behaviors that parents are concerned about often disappear or lessen because they're doing what they love. And so they're feeling happy. They're feeling less anxious. Yes. And so really the, the behaviors are a consequence of the learning challenges. They are not really what comes first. They're the consequence. So let's look at the learning piece. And then rather than focusing on the behavior and then people say, well, we'll focus on that. Uh, and then they can learn. And, and I'm saying, no, 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 no. It's a package deal. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. You're right. And if a child or anyone is not, um, if you're not focusing on strengths, I just feel like the confidence level starts to deteriorate. And I know my son is such a people pleaser. Like he really, he tries so hard and he is a perfectionist by nature. That's that's just who he is. Um, that he doesn't want to fail at anything. And so if in any kind of approach that, that we do, any kind of therapy that we're involved in, I always let the person know, focus on his strengths. Because if we focus on the strengths and however he's learning, if he gets frustrated, if he gets discouraged, I can see his confidence level just going down, and that absolutely breaks my heart. Yes, it's so true. Now, I, I should mention to you as well, because you asked about my background, that uh, for um, several years in the summer, I taught uh, at, fac at a faculty of education for teachers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the assignments I gave them was, and, and I kind of tricked them, I said, okay, I want to know everybody here. Can you write down for me something that you're not good at? 
<laughs> yeah. uh, but you kind of wish you were. So it could be someone said, you know what, I never learned how to swim, or I've always wanted to know how to knit, or I can't actually ride a bike. I just, my family never had whatever it is. And I said, okay, well, your assignment for the summer is you're going to keep a journal and you're going to learn how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and they kind of were horrified, but they always said at the end that they loved it because it reminded them, because we all then tend as we're adults, we just stick with what we're good at. And yeah. we forget about the fear, anxiety, and frustration people experience when they try something new and something they're not good at. And they said it really helped them understand and remind them of what their students go through, even though they're very caring teachers. But sure. when you actually, you know, have to do, just go and do that. And they, and they said it really changed them. It reminded them. And I always, I remember we had a math teacher, and she was excellent. And I said, what's the secret to your math class the students love you and and they do so well she said she said i failed math that's what that's what my <laughs> teacher. she said she failed math in high school but then had a good teacher who helped her discover her way of learning math and i wow. thought that's so interesting yes i love wow. that story that's very cool who would have thought a math teacher <laughs> would uh exactly. have failed math yes. um so going back to finding the ways that we can find the exceptional students or, you know, different teaching methods, how would one or how would a, a parent work with a teacher to discover what teaching method works best for their child? Like, is there kind of a step one with it or how does that process happen? Okay, so, um, I mean, every child is different, but uh, I think as you read the stories that I have in the book, it sort of trains you in a way of looking past uh, the surface and, and, and seeing those strengths. So, mm -hmm. um, for example, um, there are students who have something uh, called hyperlexia, sometimes yes. students on the spectrum. And these are children, and you don't have to be on the spectrum. I mean, some children, uh, who, typical children, just are precocious readers. So hyperlexia is when a child teaches themselves how to read at an early age, usually around the age of three or four. They just somehow know how to read. Mm -hmm. And um, they become interested in books and are flipping pages. Often they're not speaking, though. And so... Um, Sometimes uh, when people see them flipping and with these books back and forth and they want to go from beginning to end and don't want to be interrupted, it's been observed or said, some say, oh, that's an obsessional behavior. There's no way this child could be reading because, see, mm -hmm. they don't have language yet. They're not speaking. And sometimes there's the tendency to take the books away or to take the alphabet cards away or to take the number cards away if that's what they have or the, the blocks, you know, you have those play blocks that have alphabet letters or numbers. Yeah. And then people start to see it as an obsessional behavior because the child really is consumed. But I look at it and people, and I have a chapter in hyperlexia as a strength. These children are interested. Maybe they're not speaking yet, but they're interested in letters and numbers and patterns. And I see they're sort of lining it up now in order. Isn't that interesting? Mm. And then you just watch it. So what's going on? And then 
as you read the books with them and encourage it and support it as a strength and not take the books away as some people have I get calls all the time and they said they told me to take them away I said no 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 not all the time I and mean, we want to control it but look at it not as a problem behavior but as a, a learning strategy where they're trying to crack the code of language and so parents wrote to me and told me of my students that that's in fact how their children learn to speak it was through reading so that's extraordinary that so is. that's a different way of looking at what could be looked at in behavioral terms and uh in fact it's something else or i had a a student uh who uh when she was anxious she would pull at the threads of her shirt and she would practically rip the entire shirt by the end of class. I used to have extra shirts on hand because she just, you know, if she was anxious, she just kept pulling and pulling. Mm -hmm. And then I have to tell you that some of the things that I've learned and you'll see in the book is just by chance. Sure. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny how things just fall into place? And so one of the teachers decided to run a knitting club during the lunch period. I didn't know how to knit. I've always wanted to learn. And in fact, I'm, still not very good and so I invited the students to come along and the student who loved the feel you see I started to look at it differently of the thread oh. and the material of her shirt well we had our first lesson and by the end she, she had was making a scarf I mean it was as if she had been knitting her entire yeah. life she loved the thread she had the, the fine motor skills and she was focused on it she just it's like, okay, this is what I've been looking for. Yeah. And so the behavior of pulling at her shirt stopped. I let her bring knitting to class. And I said, if you're feeling anxious, knit. And if that doesn't satisfy, you know, you can rip out your knitting. And, and so she looked at me and she said, can I fix your knitting if I feel <laughs> She said, you dropped a stitch. I said, here it is. <laughs> she wow. was horrified. She told me my attention was all wrong. <laughs> and it changed her life. <laughs> it How changed cool. her life. She started knitting, and we were reading Harry Potter at the time, and she was knitting Harry Potter scarves, and she started to sell hats and, and mitts. Oh, and, wow. and so what looked like an odd behavior of pulling at threads, which, of course, was an anxiety thing, was redirected, and she found a real strength. So that was a tricky one, and just by chance. But it teaches us, and I write about the really good educators profiled uh, in my book, uh, who recognize the importance of teaching, the hands-on, the handiwork, the sewing, the all these skills, yes. which become a very nice outlet when children are frustrated, and they also may discover a hidden talent or interest. And we need to always be exposing our students to new learning experiences, art, music, uh, yes. you know, books, and um, an enriched learning experience, gardening. And that's what my book is about too, because so often I feel these enriched learning experiences um, aren't always there. There's a lot of fo focus on sort of the functional life skills, which are important, but all this can be enriched by uh, a broader subject base of what other students are getting art classes music classes and often you know the students in uh, special needs schools uh, aren't exposed to that and then uh, yeah. I started to sing in a choir with some of my students who were singing outside the school and um, 
it was an inclusive choir, and all of a sudden I discovered a whole new talent about my students. And they were natural singers, perfect pitch, and so on. And um, wow. so it's all about how do we, first of all, exposing them to these great learning opportunities. That's yes. key. And, and, and so we, your, first, your original question was, so what do we tell a teacher about how to discover these talents? Well, we, we know through our learning disabilities experience how to do it. So teachers already know. They call it uh, universal design, where we look at differentiated instruction. It's already there, and that's what I found so amazing. So I just learned what I learned with working with students with learning disabilities, applied it to my students on the spectrum and with developmental differences, and they thrived. So we already have it there. We just haven't used it in this way. Exactly. Because we still see, we see students on the spectrum or developmentally different as still outside. And we all learn differently. And that's what my book's about. So we already have these resources and the training in place. We just need to extend it and embrace students on the, on the spectrum That's, with this yeah, approach. Absolutely. And maybe not even just the, the teaching method, but I know my son Alex, he loves animals. Like anything animals, dinosaurs, that's something he's always gravitated towards. Even cartoons that he has watched. Very, very few cartoons of actual like people characters, but all animal characters. He loves them. And so anytime like there are books or cartoons, if they have animals, he's just automatically drawn to them. And mm -hmm. so any kind of learning that we've done, if I can incorporate an animal somehow within that learning um, lesson, then he, I'll have his attention longer than if it's something else. Yeah, so that's exactly, I mean, this is, it's not, what I'm proposing in the book, it's not, these approaches or, or this understanding, it's not difficult, it's not expensive. It's just looking at, oh, those, his interests, I'm going to build on that. Yeah. And that's really, we have, the, my students you will see really are the teachers. They're the ones who taught me. And uh, quite a few times I got it wrong, and I write about that in the book, but that's okay, because we all learn by trial and error, but we have yes. to be open to it. And, and we have to have, my book really addresses the current mindset towards people and uh, students, children on the spectrum that we recognize that everyone can learn. And, 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 and that isn't always, even though teachers and schools are well-meaning, um, I think that they have to look past the label. I think the label gets in the way. Mm -hmm. and, and my book reminds you, focus on the learner, focus on the individual, see where, what their strengths are, and run with it. Absolutely. A lesson for everybody. <laughs> um, Corinne, you've been such just an awesome guest. And thank you so much for your time. I know all of our schedules are just kind of crazy right now. Um, and But in the show notes, I'm going to direct everyone there, the website that you have, teachexceptionalminds.com. And to learn more about the book, um, how to order the book, if you have questions, um, anything like that. Um, I know that you have speaking engagements as well. Please feel free to reach out to Corinne um, and let her know if you have questions or want more information. And thank you again so much, Corinne. You've been lovely. 
Thank you very much. And I applaud all the families, parents out there. You're doing a great job as teachers at home. So congratulations. Oh, and uh, keep, gosh. Keep, the, keep up the good work because really I'm, I'm just hearing great stories about families right now. So well, we, we needed to hear that for sure because I think there have been times when all of us feel like we're failing miserably. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for those words um, of encouragement and um, thank you for being a part of my autism tribe too. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. As Corinne has stated, more than money, resources, or even teaching methods, it's our attitude towards those who seem different that influences our expectations and limits learning opportunities for growth and development. It's our attitude and understanding that shape our vision, but attitudes and mindsets can change, and when that happens, we can move closer to understanding the struggles and learning challenges of individuals with exceptionalities. I hope this podcast finds you and your family safe and healthy. Keep up the great work, and I'll talk with you soon.